0: Two weeks before Christmas, your husband says, let's take a walk through Rock City, and you say, sure, let's. Though at this point, neither of you cares about seeing the Enchanted Trail with its 20,000 glittering lights. You park at the coffee shop across the street and go in for a cup of Yogi Calm, choosing this flavor not because you're about to kill the man you've been having an affair with, you don't know this yet, but because you think calm sounds nice this time of year and they're out of the chinaberry jasmine, and it's too late in the day for caffeine. You skip the lights and walk up Fleetwood, which curves around behind Rock City. It's a clear night, cold enough to see your breath. Your husband is silent. You pass the churning pump shed in the owner's house, a yellow cape cod with four dormers, three identical, the fourth oddly elongated with an arched transom, thinking, as you always do when you pass this house, that the incongruity must make sense from the inside. At the back of the albino deer enclosure, you and your husband pause to look over the stucco wall. None of the deer are out. You take a sip of tea, and it's so hot the skin peels from the roof of your mouth, and it's this sensation you'll come to associate with the moment, after months of lying, you finally decide to answer your husband's question truthfully. You're in love with him, aren't you? Yes, you say, probing a delicate strip of scalded tissue with the tip of your tongue. When you get home, your four children are sprawled in front of the new flat screen. They're watching a SpongeBob episode in which Patrick runs halfway up a mountain, falls off, then repeats the action, each time hoping he'll make it to the top. Upstairs, your husband says to them, then goes into the bedroom and closes the door, so it's up to you to pay the babysitter, manage the teeth brushing, book reading, bedtime praying, hall light adjusting. "'Tell Daddy to come up,' your six-year-old daughter says. "'I want a kiss from Daddy.' Your husband is curled into the fetal position on his side of the king-sized bed. Beside him, lying face up, is the man with whom you've been having the distance affair. You're not surprised to see the other man in this particular spot. In your mind, he's been interjecting himself along this length of bed for the past ten months.' Your husband's shoulders are quivering and you know you should say or do something to comfort him, but you're shocked to discover that your only concern is for the man in the center of the mattress. You lie down on your side of the bed, gently touch the man's forehead to wake him up, and tell him that the time has come to say goodbye. The skin is cooler than it should be. You sit up, feel the man's cheeks, chest, arms. He's cold everywhere. You straddle the body thinking A-B-C- remembering only fleetingly how often you'd imagined yourself in exactly this position. But he must have taken his last breath while you were out walking because A. The airway is clear, but B. He is not breathing, and C. You cannot induce circulation even after twenty minutes of CPR. You collapse beside the man, wrap your warm hand around one of his, the fingers already so stiff you have to push them down. You knew your confession would do this you thought it would happen gradually. What does he do for you that I can't, your husband says. The following day is marked by a strange but not unwelcome sense of peace. Chicken broth, lit candles, hot baths, Enya's winter album. There is a sweetness, a rightness, a bigger-than-yourselfness to the day. Under different circumstances, you would call it a holiness. The death is as it should be, You know this intellectually. In fact, the overall intellectual quality of your mood is striking, the absence of raw feeling. Though you've read about grief and know that shock is the earliest stage, so you wonder if you truly feel nothing, or if you feel so much it is beyond the capacity of a human body to process it, the nervous system therefore, immediately, mercifully, converting every rising emotion into a sensation of nothingness. The sun is out dark branches splay themselves against an ecstatic blue. You decide to take a long drive, alone, on the one-lane highway that leads out the back of Lookout Mountain. Fresh snow bends limbs on the Georgia Pines, narrowing the road, making it intimate. You tell God you're grateful he has taken the burden of sin from you. You know it's the right thing to say.